Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, guys, we're back with episode 22. Ooh, 22. Oh, we think we grown now. We ready to move out? We shoveled ourselves out of the snow. Oh, yeah, we're grown. We shoveled ourselves out of the snow to bring you guys another episode of Brown Ambition. Yes. You're it's welcome. Well, honestly, Superman did the shoveling. I just made lunch and hot chocolate. <laughs> As you should. No, this, this storm was crazy. I hope everyone is nice and warm at home on the East Coast. I feel, yes. like, I feel like a lot of our audience is on the East Coast right now. So I hope everyone's good. Um, sorry that it didn't fall. I, like, I wish the blizzard had fallen, like, maybe today. I know. Because then we I mean, it's no work, work Monday. Tomorrow. I know. Your boss is going to make you go. He's going to say, like, you know what? The streets are, are shoveled. The sidewalks are shoveled. Come into work. Well, you know how it gets in New York City. Probably gets the same way in Jersey. Like, after it snows, then you have four days of melting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like black slushy rivers Ugh. of dirt and grime. So looking forward to that. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Fun times. Yeah. So it is time for Buzzworthy. The most special time of the day. <laughs> um, there's so a lot what's of cool. What's cracking? What's popping? There's a lot of cool stuff happening. Let's start with some good news. Well, is there good news? Oh, so, well, I guess the good news is that we talked about the Flint River – I mean, the Flint, Michigan water crisis last week. Yes. And we finally seem to hit the tipping point in the new American news media cycle to where people are finally paying attention. I mean, I think ma- every major news outlet had a Flint story. Um, yes. You're right. And I've been seeing it way more in my friends' timelines. One of my friends, Nehemiah, at Nehemiah Davis in Philly, he actually did a water drive. And his goal was to get like, I think like a 10,000 bottles of water. He ended up collecting 50,000 bottles. And he's going to be driving it down. Yeah. So people are really starting to pay attention. And, you know, it's starting to get, like you said, it's it's tipped, which is great because this is crazy, honestly. It feels like another country. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And then they had the uh, what really disturbed me and I think everybody else was that the New York Times ran that story on letters or emails from the mayor and her team totally like making making light of making light of people who were complaining about the water. And saying, mm-hmm. like, I think the quote was that they called them, the, oh, it's just an anti-everything group complaining about the water, um, when in fact the water is literally poisoning people. So wow. that's why it took so long. And um, I mean, I think the mayor will get kicked out. I don't know what the – I hope so. What, do they get impeached? What, do they resign? Like, it's it's a it's an embarrassment. And there's no excuse it is. for it. And the thing is, though, like, it's not like – you know, some things it's very hard to prove. You're like, oh, I don't know. But this is one of those things where you're like, let me just turn on the faucet. Oh, it's brown. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like sometimes, I mean, I hate when people act like, you know, you can't complain because you don't want to be complaining all the time. Oh, black people are always complaining or this segment of the population always has something to say. But you know what? This is one of those moments where it would not have been hard to fact check and say, you know what? They're right. They're right. And they have a point and their voices should be heard. I mean, and it's sad that it takes this long. I have to give a shout out to my friend, Carice Jackman. We went to college together. Um, at University of Georgia. We were in journalism school together. And she is a reporter in Flint, Michigan. And I've Mm. been watching her news reports on this water crisis long before. I mean, of course, she's local, but long before the national media finally took notice. Um, She's been out there really covering it. So go ahead, Carice. I hope you get all the the acclaim that you deserve. And and just thanks for telling that story. Yes, Carice. Thank you. Carice PC. So what else is buzzing? Um, I know you said you were telling me earlier about that young young um, brown girl who started, what is it, a, a thousand black girl books? Oh, yeah. So she's starting a movement. This is so cute. It's this little girl. Where is she from? Where is she from? I love the quote from her. She says that she was tired of reading about, um, sick of reading about white boys and dogs. So she started a book drive for books that feature um, black girls. Which I'm impressed. There's a thousand books with black girls um, featured. That's that's like more than I would ever think. And um, she what's said her that, name? What is her name? Is her mother named Janice? Because I'm like, wait, this sounds like my friend Janice from Newark. I think she's from Newark. Her last name is Diaz. Marley. Yes. Diaz. Oh my gosh. Yes. Her, I'm really cool with her mom. I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds funny. Yes, Janice Diaz. She's a doctor. And oh my god, that's so funny that. Because we're, I was just looking on Facebook. They were on the news somewhere. Yes, I know Janice, and her daughter is amazing, and her husband is amazing, and it's just so funny. Yes, okay, woo woo, go ahead. Oh, yeah. New Jersey tween. So she's only eleven, I think. Yeah, yeah. She's only eleven years old. She said, she said, I told my mom I was sick of reading about white boys and dogs, and mom's asked, "What are you going to do about it?" So yeah. she started this book drive um, where black girls are the main characters, um, and the project was being supported by something called the. Um, Philadelphia's Grassroots Community Foundation, yes. which Janice, her mother, yeah, here we go, yep. Janice mm-hmm. founded. She's a, it's awesome. a, um, I've I've volunteered with them a number of times. That's so oh. sweet, and she's gonna yeah, I... she's gonna donate the books to a low resource neighbor, a uh, low resources library, in St. Mary Jamaica. Is that in Jersey? St. Mary Jamaica. Uh, that could be I Queens. Yeah, it sounds like Queens, but or yeah, it could be I Jamaica. Think... they just I remember I just saw pictures of them she her mother Janice what I love is that um with the uh grassroots organization they take the girls different places in the diaspora so they just got back from Ghana where they took the girls you know to kind of see like the route that the slaves took um and so her mother is so dynamic and I'm not surprised at her daughter like having those thoughts and feelings and implementing them because that is her mother to the T. Like her mother is a, is a doctor and has advocated for brown people to have proper nutrition and education. And so her daughter's just following right in her footsteps. They're both dope brown girls. So we'll, we'll go ahead. That is a good, that's a good sign of parenting because, you know, when I was a little girl and I think a lot of kids, like I read a lot of books that featured white characters, but I didn't think it was weird because that's all I knew. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I didn't even know enough to know that it was weird, that there wasn't anybody who was brown in the books I was reading. Um, so I think that's definitely like um, Janice's win there. Yeah. For teaching her to be skeptical of what she's skeptical and to ask for more of the books that she has and that she's reading. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. 
Now, on the shade front for today's Buzzworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, speaking, we can't do it all the time. <laughs> I know. Speaking of speaking out when you see something that's wrong um, or when you're not seeing people of color featured, the Oscars oh, yeah. have been uh-huh. in the news. Like, I, I've been, every day there's a new person speak, like saying some foolishness about the Oscars. People are banning it. People are not banning it. This week, the Oscars finally, the I guess the culmination of all this was the, the Oscars have decided to change the way that they select members of their voting. Okay. Uh, the, I guess only select members of the Oscars, whatever group it is, the Academy Awards, Academy Motion Picture Arts, um, can vote for the Oscars. So they're making some changes, and I'm not so sure what the changes are, but apparently it's going to make it so that more people of color will actually – more people of color and women – for that matter, can actually vote. Okay. Because like something crazy, like 99 or 95% of Oscar voters are white men. Well, or that surprise, are white. surprise. That's insane. And they I wonder, know. that's what makes it like when you have, when you hear facts like that, and then you see, there's been a couple of actors, one of them, um, Charlotte Rampling, she's nominated for best actress uh, Oscar nomination. She's British. Um, came out saying that she thinks that all the people saying that the Oscars are so white, that that's racist against white people. <laughs> Charlotte, she's older. So, you know, we give her a couple of, we can give her a little bit of slack. But I feel like to look at a voting, like you you can't say that it's just, it's based entirely. I think there's so many different factors at play here that are making the Oscars so white. One is that there's not a ton of material for black actors. Two, it's like a lot of people like Lupita Nyong'o came out and saying this too, is that this year there weren't so many roles that black actors, Black actors were playing that fit mm-hmm. into the stereotypical um, black character, slaves, maids, that kind of thing. Um, and then three, but you can't discount the fact that when you have a, a – when everyone who's voting, casting a vote is white and older and male, there's a ton of bias at play there. And they're yes. going to pick people who fit into their standards of what they think good art is or stories that are worth telling and – People are egotistical. Like they think stories that feature them are worth telling. And that's exactly. why that's a huge reason why you see the Oscar nominations come out the way that they have. No, you're right though. Because people, I mean, you relate to what, what you're used to. So if you're used to, you know, your life, your story, your surroundings, and that's what you relate to. So it just, I think it's just crazy to, to be shocked. They're like, wait, no, no brown people. We're nominated? Well, yeah, because there's no brown people making the nominations. And so, yes, they should have, it should have been, you know, this should have, this shift should have happened a long time ago. So I'm glad that it's happened. I just think like the whole, I'm not going to lie, it was kind of like giggly how everything kind of went down with like, so, you know, first Jada, you know, she asked for people to, to, to kind of like, you know, I guess to say that they weren't going to go. Like, you know, we're going to boycott the Oscars. You know, and so yeah. I wonder Jada, if I wonder if she talked to Will first before she put that video up because he was quiet for a couple of days. You know. Yeah, it just was like, okay, I get it. Your husband wasn't nominated, so so that's that's what people were kind of like. Well, Jada, if he was nominated, we would have never heard from you. And right. so I'm not going to take away from Jada saying that she because some people were like, oh, we never hear from you when when other important issues happen. But that's not true. Jada is a big big uh, supporter of like um, like uh, initiatives to help like sex trafficking and uh, people who are kind of like in the sex slave trade field or whatever. So Jada definitely is somebody who stands up for what she believes in, but it's just that they've never heard from you as it relates to race. And what was kind of funny was that just a year ago or not even a year ago, Will Smith had just done an, an interview where he basically said he doesn't, there's not much racism in the, 
in the um, acting world and he doesn't really see it. And if it does happen, you know, he chooses not to focus on it. So it was kind of like, oh, so when you win, it's cool. But mm-hmm. now that you didn't get a nomination for concussion, um, it's not so cool. So people kind of dragged her for that a little bit. But to me, what put the shade, cher- the shade cherry on top of the shade ice cream was, um, did you see um, Aunt Vib? The first on Viv, go off. Did you watch that video? Oh, yeah. We posted on the Brown Ambition. Yeah. Or I posted on the Brown Ambition page. It was epic. It was epic. <laughs> Janet, we'll say her name, Janet Hubert. Yes. AKA, according to Awesomely Lovey, AKA on Viv, um, not 2.1, but I guess 0.1 or 1.0. The first on Viv, the brown yes. uh, chocolate on Viv. She went off. It is clear this woman is holding on to all her bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of what she said, I was like, okay, I feel her. But some of it, I was like, really? Like, you're still mad? Damn, 20 years later. <laughs> she did. She Well, she brought up some, I mean, honestly, like, you could nitpick Jaden Will. Like, of course, he he has been nominated. He lives in a bubble where he's the darling of Hollywood, one of the few black actors to be, like, widespread love, but loved by Hollywood. And, of course, yeah, like you said, they pick the one year when he's not nominated to come and all of a sudden say the Oscars are racist. Um but then she brings she like digs way back into history to French Prince days because like she was kicked off the show or like dismissed from the show, right? Yeah, and she, she says was... that Will Will basically or she tried to get all you know just like other casts of other TV shows had done. They tried to get together and have Will um, uh, stand together to ask for more or equal pay for the episodes, and he was like, "My salary is my salary, and your salary yes. is your salary." And uh, I think she's still holding a little grudge about that. Just a little. <laughs> I mean, who can blame her? Yeah, I mean, like, that part I, I understood, but I just thought it was kind of, like, giggly and funny. I was like, oh, Like, look at her going in. Like I said, some of the, like, a lot of what she said was lost because of the bitterness, but, you know, I could see what she was saying. Like, you know, they have a production company. They have not been exactly, like, big supporters of, like, putting out new brown talent. And now, They put out themselves. They put out Will. Yes. And so she's just like, so I could feel her on that. So I was kind of like, okay, but all in all, the shade was epic. Spike Lee came out even before Jada and he said he was boycotting the Oscars. I feel like if I feel like, okay, I'll, you know, Spike Lee, who has done so much for black film to promote black artistry, just did a film about Chirac, those, you know, incredibly the gang violence that happens in Chicago, like he's done so much. Like, he's put in the work. I don't know if Will Smith has put in the work to the point where he can stand up and say, um, we should boycott the Oscars. Um, Hollywood is not supporting these stories. Like, I don't think Will Smith has done much to the, to do that himself. So I take Spike Lee a little bit more seriously than I take Jada and Will is how I feel about it. Yeah. No, you're right. But at the end of the day, um, I, I'm i glad that the conversation is happening. I, I feel like this is going to be good for their ratings. They no, have Chris sure. Rock. Chris Rock is hosting. I'm sure he'll take some liberty. With his jokes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Hopefully, because you know Chris Bach is known for like his honest comedy, so I think so too. Can't wait. And then last but not least, oh, so I love this story that I read, and I I posted it on my social. It really resonated with women. I feel like so everyone always talks about having an emergency fund, a, a rainy day fund, a nine one one fund, whatever you want to call it. But like one of my favorite ways to categorize or to call this like special little um, amount of cash you have set aside for a rainy day is an FU fund, which mm. is, I think some people like Tyra Banks sort of made this a popular way of calling it, but I just love it. Cause like that is literally what the purpose of this little pot of money that you set aside is like, it is giving you the power to walk away from situations that you don't want to be in 
whether it is a abusive partner or a, a boss who's harassing you that you don't want to work for anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there was a story on the Billfold, which is like a personal finance um, a blog, which everyone should check out. They get really cool writing from a bunch of different like unique writers. And um, I don't know if you've read it, but the story is called A Story of a Fuck-Off Fund. Pardon my mm. French. <laughs> you couldn't wait. Mandy was like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, FU fund. Well, she calls it a, a fuck-off fund, not a FU fund. Um, but the writer is Paulette Perhash. And I thought it was really well done. She starts off the story by, like, talking about all these situations, like giving you an alternate reality, like your life without an FU fund where your boss grabs your ass and you keep the job anyway and you keep your mouth shut because you don't you know you can't pay rent this month or your boyfriend pushes you against a wall when you're having an argument and you stay with him because you can't imagine covering the cost of a security deposit in a moving truck to get out of that situation and mm. and then she does the flip side at the end she's like oh and what if your life were different what if you had this f off fund and you could say screw you to your boss um, and, and leave a work situation that's not healthy for you. Or you can say, I'm dumping you to a deadbeat boyfriend who's hurting you physically, emotionally, whatever. And I, I, it really resonated with me as someone who I was raised by a single mom who had to leave some situations like this on her own. Um, and I'm not going to say she necessarily had an F off fun, <laughs> but she had the ability to walk away from some not great situations for her kids, for us, or for her. And I always, I carry that with me every day when it comes to my own finances, like I save money so that I am free to do whatever the hell I want when things aren't working out in a way that I want them to work out at. No, I think that that's critical because you're right. I mean, there's something freeing about knowing that you're, that you're somewhere because you want to be. I remember my dad telling me that, that I think because he and my mom had five girls, but him in particular, because I think he was super sensitive to the fact that he had all, all girls and so I remember him really drilling into my head, like, you know, about how to manage my finances and how to be financially independent. Um, and, you know, him telling me basically one day, you know, one day I want you to, you know, if you decide to get married or be with somebody, that you're there because you want to be, not because you have to be. Yeah. And so I just remember, because I, like, we're African, so it's a very male-dominant, dominated, like, uh, culture. And so it's like, you know... What does your father have to say? You know, follow the lead of the man in your life. And so, and my dad is like, falls right in alignment with like that typically. So I remember being so shocked when he said that because, you know, it's almost like he was going against what our, typically our culture teaches. And he was just like, yeah, that's cool. But for my daughters, no. Like, I want you to not have to worry about your finances. And that's why I'm like the way I am now. You know, every boyfriend will, I've ever dated will tell you that. Tiffany does not need any <laughs> any help from me. Like, I'm always there, not because I need to be there financially. And so, yeah, if you can have that at your job, too, just imagine if you know you didn't have to stay here. You could just be like, you know what? I'm here because I want to be. I think everyone, woman or man, should have an FU fund. Absolutely. You know, I've worked at jobs that I hated and I couldn't leave, and it was torturous. Like, there's mm. nothing worse than being at a job that you hate every day. Um, I've been laid off from a job and had no money and had to – live off of unemployment and I'm never going back there. I just, I having grown up with a single mom raising four kids and then being, you know, had these like professional experiences that weren't so great. Like I'm never going, luckily I haven't had a terrible relationship yet, but I, I sleep better at night knowing that I have not like my bags packed ready to go, but I have, I have a ticket out 
at any time I want. And, you know, my fiance knows that about me. He knows that I have my own pot of money. And, it, well, you know, as we're approaching like marriage together, and even probably you and Superman talk about this, like how you merge your finances, like maybe we will have, you know, I don't know what it looks like for us yet to have joint finances. Maybe we will share a bank account or a savings account or whatever, but I'll always have just for my own peace of mind and my own like self-esteem, self-worth. Like I'm always going to have a little piggy bank on the side mm-hmm. but, and I worked hard for that money and I think that um, – but you know what? He told me something that – he and, and speaking of coming from a culture that really values male um, – the men and the family more, like his – he's Dominican and, and his family definitely values men. Um, but he always tells me how his grandmother who since passed away, who she was really special to him, she like set him aside one day and said, you need to find a woman who has her own life and she's independent. Mm. And I wish, like, I, I hope that there's mothers, fathers, uncles, whatever out there talking to young boys, too, just as much as they're, you know, encouraging girls to have their own lives, to encourage men to value that mm-hmm. and young women um, and don't feel threatened and don't feel less masculine because you're with a woman who's, you know, got her own business, got her own life, got her own friends, family, money on the side. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I know it can be hard. I mean, I, that's why I just appreciate Superman so much because it's a lot. You know, we talk about it. Sometimes he's like, it's a lot dating the budgetista. Because <laughs> I'm like always working. All shine, 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 shine. <laughs> you know, and so, but like my first boyfriend, um, it was too much, you know, for him. And he he kind of, you know, he knew that there was more that I was capable of, but I definitely was holding back as a result of being from him, being with him because it was a lot. Mm. And now that I'm with Superman, I, you know, I acknowledge that it's a lot and I try my best to like, you know, bring balance in to our relationship. But at the same time, what I love is that I in no way feel like I need to dim. I don't need to not go after more. I don't, you know, he pushes me to do better. You know, it's just to me, like I'm I'm more of an adult now that I understand that like I, I personally have to seek balance. So I bring that. But balance does not mean holding back. And mm-hmm. so it's just great being with somebody that appreciates that, you know, and then he'll tell me that he's proud of me. And he'll just say, you know, I, like the other morning I was up at like 5 a.m. like retightening my locks. And he was just like, I wish people could see this, that. This is like what life looks like. So you could get ready. I feel your pain. You know, or like, you know, because I'm always like doing stuff. And he's like watching me pack my boxes and helping me bring stuff to the car. And he's like, you know, people think that it's all like glamorous, but I see how much hard work you put in. I'm really proud of you. And he's like, I just love the fact that you're helping people because he's a giver too and a helper too. Like he's like the the neighborhood like helper man. Everybody knows to knock on our door and be like, can Mr. Drell come fix my, like the other day the neighbor asked to like borrow our house phone. I'm like, the house phone? <laughs> she was like, yeah, ask Jarrell. I'm Assuming like, you have one. Yes. I'm like, I mean, I live here. So, yes, you can ask me. But they just know. Like, I was like, Jarrell, you told them they could have our house phone? He's like, no, but it, it'll work in their house. They don't have a phone. So I just told them they could, use, they could hold it for a little bit. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just having someone who understands and gets that. So, yes, I hope that more. But I think his mother was a very strong personality and worked in the community a lot. And had her own. And so she was a great example of like what that looks like mm-hmm. in a woman. So, yeah, I, I hope that more women are raised to know that they don't have to dim their light. And more men are raised to to embrace that and, and encourage that light to shine even more. Sometimes you don't even notice it's happening. Like you may not even feel like you're in a relationship 
or working at a job that makes you lesser than what you're capable of, or, or, you know, you may not realize it's strange for your boyfriend or your husband to mope around the house for three days after you hang out with your girlfriends one night. Like you may think that's normal, you know, oh, it's okay. I just have to walk on eggshells because so-and-so was mad that I had, you know, spent, I was out an hour late with the girlfriends or came home from work late, but it's not normal. And you don't have to put up with that. And I'm going to post a story and I just want every woman out there who's listening if you're in a situation like this where you feel like you're being held back by somebody, whether it's a job or your partner, like you don't have to put up with that. Start planning now for your FU fund. Um, start putting a little bit away so you can get the hell out of there and, and get someplace where you're valued. Um, yeah. Because like you said, you don't know sometimes. I didn't realize until like with my first boyfriend, I didn't realize. I thought everything was great because he was sweet. He was kind. He was funny. He was good looking. Everybody loved him. But there was this like nagging feeling in the back of my head like – something's not right, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I thought about, at the time I was like 26, and I remember like we were talking about marriage, of course, because, you know, we were together for like five years. I'm like, oh, marriage is the next step. And I remember having like a panic attack and being like, wait, if we get married, is life going to stay like this? And that's (laughs) when I knew. Like, if I had to live exactly how I'm living now, like, is this enough? And it wasn't. And I just remember being like, I don't know. I don't want us. I don't want life to stay like this. I want to do more, but I know he doesn't necessarily want me to do more. And that's when like the, the, the light bulb went on that like, you know, it, this might not be as great as I, as I think it is that we're, you know, as women, you're trained to think that like, if a man's not beating you, yelling at you or like, you know, being like verbally or physically abusive, you're like, well, everything's great. But that, that's, that's like the bare minimum. You know, that there's so much more. And I was just realizing, like, you know, and even after I left, it was hard, like, the transition. And he was mad, you know. It was just like, well, you're not really doing that much with your life. And I wasn't. And then finally, I found my groove. And just recently, he, like, hit me up and was like, you know, wow. Like, look at you now. You know, I'm proud of you. And I was just like, yeah, this is the Tiffany I was born to be. But I could not be that in that relationship. Not because he was a bad guy, but it was not how I wanted to be and how he wanted me to be were two different things. And now I just love what I love about Superman is that there is no how I want you to be. Mm. There's just be whatever you want. His, his favorite phrase is feel free when you're with me. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, well, whatever that looks like, just remember balance, Tiffany. And I'm just like, okay. And so, yeah. So women, yes, you might not realize, but if you can't see yourself, the life that you're living now with your, boo your significant other if you can't see that this would be the same life 10 20 years from now if you feel claustrophobic or like oh my god i want more than this then i would really really um caution you to rethink your your choice it's time for brown break (laughs) right i like that brown break Brown break. I feel like I still want a ditty. Somebody needs to send us like a little a little song, a little something, so me and Manny don't have to sing about brown breaks every time we, we get together. Brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please. I'd like to hear a little song. Um, so my brown break is pretty like easy. So I'll let I'll go first and you guys you can go second. Yeah, okay? I'm afraid about mine, so you go first. <laughs> yeah, so my brown break. Because I live in the East Coast, because I'm snowed in, I'm taking a break from snow. I know it's our first snow of the uh, of the winter season, but I'm over it already. Some of you guys were complaining, 
like you know because we had like a very warm winter in the beginning i mean honestly freakishly warm it was like 70 degrees on on christmas which is like crazy Mm -hmm. um but i'm already sick of the snow it decided not to just like come on in like light and just no it was a blizzard like people can't even see their cars i'm sick of it so i'm taking a brown break from the snow Thankfully, I have a cold, so that means I can't shovel. So Superman is doing the shoveling today, but still. Thankfully, I'm sick. <laughs> I said no one ever. I know. That's what I tell myself. But yes, no more snow. I'm good. We, I feel like we should have all our snow in just one day, and we could go about our business. Because it just makes life so hard. You know what I say about this weather? What? Snow laughing matter. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody come get Manny. She'll be here all night, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so clever. Okay. While we're laughing, let me do my brown break. (laughs) Everybody's in a good mood. I need to take a brown break from, so Maya Angelou is my spirit animal. There was once upon a time when Oprah Winfrey was my guiding light. She was my God, my Jesus, my Mother Mary, my Saint Teresa. She was the compass upon which I followed for every decision in my life. Um, I was a highly impressionable teenager and I would rush home to be home by like 3.55 so I can get my snack and get in front of the TV by 4 p.m. to watch Oprah and say, what does Oprah want me to eat today? What does (laughs) Oprah want me to read this week? Um, What does Oprah want me to buy for Christmas? Like she – and I think a lot – I mean she had a huge loyal – she still has a huge loyal fan base even though the show is done. But I need a brown break from Miss Winfrey Uh, and and what's prompting me – to this huge pivot in my life is this whole Weight Watchers situation. Mm. The fact that she bought a huge stake in this company, um, you know, which I've had friends who've had success on Weight Watchers and some who haven't, but it's a fine company, but she bought a huge stake in it. And then she comes out as the new face of this. She's not only has a huge stake in it, but she's also now like advertising for them. She has this really sappy commercial where she's talking about how it's going to be the year of her best body and Weight Watchers are going to get her there. Apparently she's lost like 23 pounds since she joined Weight Watchers in August. Okay. Congratulations, Oprah. I'm very happy for you. But like, why now? Like it bothers me because she has so much money already. Why does she need to make any more money from this Weight Watchers situation? And then why does she need to encourage people? Cause Weight Watchers is not free. I don't. I, I, what I guess what I don't get is like why pe- anyone would take weight loss advice from Oprah mm. at this point, and maybe this is shady. <laughs> but I shade, feel like honey. how many different diets has Oprah Winfrey tried? Like I must have. She pulled out the cart full of fat, like pig fat, was it? Like I sixty remember. pounds worth of fat that one time. I'll never forget when she had that one. What was that like? Her personal, her like personal health guru guy who would come on, and they had the Oprah labels on different yogurts and different foods that you had to eat, and like some of those yogurts had tons of sugar in them. I mean, she's tried all these different diets, and she's always been like trying to lose weight. And I feel like if anything, Oprah teaches you that like there is no one weight loss system for everybody, and that not every weight loss system is worth your money and time. And I wish you would just sit there. It's just like financial advice. Like, why don't you just sit down and tell people what they have to do to lose weight is to eat healthy food and move a little bit and be patient it'll take time there's no panacea for weight loss there's no panacea for financial solvency like and it just bothers me like once again she's using her influence to get people to spend money on a product that has her face on it you know yeah i mean i i you're right it's so funny you said that the shade like 
I mean, no shade to Oprah, because Lady O, I would love to come on your show. I mean, if you'd love to have me, I'd love to be on Super Soul Sunday. Anyway, with that being said, um, you're right. She's not exactly like the person I would go to for weight loss advice, right? And I'm not going to make you talk ill of her because maybe one day you'll be on Super Soul Sunday. <laughs> I don't want you getting blacklisted. You don't have to. This is my brown break. <laughs> me and oh, my potty you. mouth will not be on Super Soul Sunday anytime <laughs> soon, and I'm okay with that. I tried to stop her, Oprah. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> So Oprah, no, I mean, and also I, she was sneaky because she had Gail even before she came out as a face of Weight Watchers and like inv- investing in the company. You know, I follow Gail King on uh, Instagram. I think she's funny. But Gail started doing Weight Watchers this past summer and was uploading like was uploading pictures of like her her scale every week. And I'm like, she just started get. She knew that Gail's followers are her followers, and she starts getting the wheels turning. You know, starts greasing the wheels up. Like, oh, Weight Watchers. Let me think about that. And then, oh, a couple months later, by the way, my best friend Oprah has a huge stake in the company um, and is now their spokesperson. We have a question from one of our listeners named Lune. What a pretty name, Lune. Hope I'm saying it right. She says, hi, ladies. What are some tips you can give to a college student looking to get into investing? I'm interested, but I don't know where to start. Hmm. Lune, Lune. Well, first of all, we should point her to one of our first episodes ever where we had a brilliant financial advisor named um, Avni Romney come on the show and talk specifically about how to get investing when you're just starting out. Um, and she had some really good tips. I think it was episode three or four, I want to say. Okay. So that's a good place to start off. And obviously, Avni Romney is a certified financial planner, investment advisor. She has all the qualifications. So I would take her advice, definitely. Um, uh, but I can steal some of her advice and, and tell it to you, Miss Lune. Um, I would say like for a college student, well, congratulations for even thinking about investing at this yeah. age. This is a huge deal. Um, I think right now you're investing – in a non-monetary way by just going to college. Of course, getting a college degree will be the best way to earn more mm-hmm. um, depending on what you study. But I think if you – if you, I think the first thing you have to do is really figure out are you ready to invest? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Do you have some credit card debt? How much student loans do you have? You know, When you graduate college, you're going to want to have money on hand that you can immediately start putting toward your student loans. And if you have all your extra savings tied up in an investment account, that's not necessarily going to be – um, as uh, um, useful to you for the your immediate concern, which will be probably paying off your loans and things like that. So um, I would say start off by looking at your finances. What do you have coming in? What do you have going out? Mm-hmm. How much do you need to be saving? Um, the first step to investing, and I know it doesn't sound so sexy, is, is what education. <laughs> well, that too. But I was going to say we were talking about before, like the FU fund is having yes. a little bit of money set aside for an emergency, for the unexpected phone call in the night, the unexpected illness, unexpected medical bill, your car breaks down. I mean, how many kids out there in college are driving like old cars that could break down in any moment? Um, and you want to have cash on hand for those for those times when something unexpected comes up. So that's not putting money in the market. That's just putting money in a savings account. Um, Agreed. I think that um, that is Definitely. Do you have a budget? Do you have a savings plan? I think before you invest, you should have like, you should have control over like just your basic money, money management skills, savings, paying down debt, credit, budgeting, you know, because 
if you invest without having like the basic building blocks, then what happens is that it's so very easy to lose all that you've put into investing. That's what I did in my 20s. I I invested with a quote unquote air quote friend and ended up a year later, not even a year later, a few few weeks later in $35,000 worth of credit card debt. That's another story for another day. Huh? <gasps> we need a yes. sound effect. <gasps> I know. And so it's because I was super eager. I was like, ooh, I'm 20. Uh, Well, at the time I was like like 24, 25. And I was like, okay, you know, I've got a little savings. I got a little this. I'm ready. But I had no idea about anything. So I just trusted him. was like, here's some money, you know, and it just ended very, very, very badly. Um, And so I wish that I would have, one, taken the time for a little bit of education of like, you know, reading some books, like The Richest Man in Babylon is a great book. You can find a free PDF easily online. Just type in Richest Man in Babylon. Uh, it's, it's like 70 pages, an hour or so read. Start with books. There's also this book, if you're thinking about stock market investing, called like The Neatest Little Guide to Stock Market Investing. I read that book. It was actually a really good book. And he doesn't talk in like super financial terms, which was good. Um, you can find it on Amazon. I don't know the... Um, Maybe Mandy will put the link like in the in like our our Tumblr, but I don't remember the um the author's name. Uh, and then two, there are all these great Facebook groups. So a friend of mine, well, she's not really a friend, you know, like a Facebook friend. Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like her name is Maybell Maybell Sorrell. What I like about Maybell is that she's in her twenties, and she like the way I love budgeting. She loves investing, and so she is a she actually has her her bachelor's degree in finance and then her master's degree in something financial, like economics, finance, something like that. So she is a financial analyst. That's what she does full time. But she loves investing so much. She started this group for women called Girls on the Money. It's a Facebook group. And Maybell just teaches and breaks down investing in this easy, easy way. And so I encourage you just to type in Girls on the Money on Facebook and just join and just like soak in the information. She also has like a, like, I think it's a weekly newsletter where she will explain what's happening in the market in an easy way. Honestly, she has made me excited about investing in, um, in, uh, in uh, stocks and stuff because she just like says it in such an easy way. She's in her 20s. She's fun. She's cute. She's just, and so you want to look for kind of environments like that where you can learn first before you kind of dip your toe into the market. And if you want to start investing, I mean, if you say you have some extra cash on hand, maybe, you know, this is pretty common, like you may have had a relative who passes away and all of a sudden you have a little bit of an inheritance and you're wondering, what do I do with this little windfall? Um, there are some basic things you can do. You can go to like a a regular broker, like a Charles Schwab, a Vanguard, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, all of these funds have low um minimum balances for opening up an IRA. And again, an IRA is something you put money into and you can't take it out until you're ready for retirement. So you have to kind of figure out, are you wanting to invest for long-term retirement, things like that, that you're not going to touch until you're in your 50s and 60s? Or do you want to just invest, you know, to build some wealth on the side? Um, and, and you know, maybe asking for advice from someone or, or looking for advice from someone like a Maybell. What was her last name? Maybell Serial. Yeah, so surreal. Yeah, surreal. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, just type in, just type in "girls on the money." That's where you'll find it. Girls on the money. I think the most important question now is like, what are you investing for? Is it long-term growth, or is it um, investing for wealth, like right now that you'll use, you know, a couple years out, and that'll really tell you where to start. Um, but opening up an IRA, any one of those um, 
a financial firm that I just mentioned is pretty easy enough. Like they usually require you to start with about a thousand dollars, five hundred to a thousand dollars. And um, Tiffany's listing a bunch of books. One of the books that I read when I was just starting to learn about investing for work was um, Investing for Dummies. Mm. I'm not even going to lie. Um, I may have ripped the cover off because I wasn't so embarrassed reading it on the train. <laughs> yeah. But Investing for Dummies, it just, it just tells you the basics. You know, what is a stock? What are bonds? What is a mutual fund? Um, these are very technical questions that um, can be complicated and you should read a book. You should educate yourself. If you don't want to read a book, investopedia.com is – the best thing on the planet for answering those little questions like that. Um, and if you're not ready, you don't think you're ready for opening up an IRA or opening up an investment account at like a E-Trade or something like that, there's this new app like we talked about before called Acorns. Mm-hmm. And Acorns, I use it. Do you use it? Andy? I don't use it personally. Do you like it? So yes, Acorns. So Acorns, I actually use Acorns because I kind of wanted to test it out. So what I do like about here's kind of the pros and the cons from what I can see. So what I like about Acorns is that when you log in, you don't have to know how to do anything except for like, you know, what's your name? And you're, they're going to ask you a series of questions. And those questions you should answer as honestly as possible because they're going to determine what kind of investor you are. There's like five profiles. Like, are you conservative? Are you um, somebody who's aggressive? Are you in the middle? So they'll choose from the five based upon your answers. And then they will invest your money based upon those five profiles. That's why it's important to be honest. And so what I like about Acorns is that it kind of tells you, like, you you answer these questions like, well, where are you currently? How much do you want to have? And they'll tell you what you should be investing a month to reach those goals. And then you can invest whatever you want. I think right now I'm practicing with $25 a month. And so it takes $25 out of my savings account a month. And my favorite part of Acorns is this thing called the Roundup. So it's attached to one of my checking accounts. And whenever I use that checking account, it'll round up to the nearest dollar and put that change into my Acorn investment. So it's kind of fun. So it's like, okay, the money is kind of going in and it's going to this profile. So that's the good stuff. It's easy. You know, you don't have to really do much other than answer some questions. So the bad stuff. So I ran it by, you know, um, Maybell, who I was telling you about, so she could kind of take a look with her professional eye, and she's like, you know, she likes the ease of it, but what I, what she didn't like is that you can't readily see where your money's being invested, like, like currently, like, uh, so it'll send you a monthly breakdown, so I get to see my money monthly, like what, what it's doing, but it doesn't show, like, I would love to be able to go on Acorns, and it says, hey, Tiffany, your money, your, your account increased by 20%, or it went down by 30%, or whatever that is, but you don't see that right away. It's kind of like you get a monthly report, so there's good and bad. To me, it's good if you're just starting, and you just kind of want to, like, poke your head in and put a little bit of money in, but it's not, to me, Acorns is definitely not a long-term solution. As you get more sophisticated, you'll definitely want to move that money out mm-hmm. and into um, something like a Vanguard, which does give you all that rich data and shows your historical data. Um, and I think this is a, I think the best thing about Acorns is it's a good place to get your feet wet. Yes, for sure. That's to, to me. That's, learning. that's what it's really good for. It's like, okay, I don't know how to do anything. Okay, well, I could put 20 bucks a month in. Oh, okay. They give me this thing once a month. Let me read it. And then once you kind of like, oh, okay, I get it now. Let me start making more deliberate choices on my own. So it's like one of these apps that helps you save, but you don't get that much of an interest rate. Like those, but the, it pulls the money out of your account. And so, yes, you don't make much money off that money, but it just starts to have it off for you, you know? 
Don't believe anyone who tells you that you're going to make millions of dollars. You have to start little by little. Yeah. You know, if you can only put on a hundred bucks today, a thousand bucks, don't expect to make a million in a year. Like these are really long-term solutions. Long yes. Investment should be a long-term strategy. You know, you're playing the long game. And another good thing about getting your feet wet now is you're going to learn what kind of investor you are. Yes. When you're young, you may be okay investing in the stock market and, and being a little risky. As you have more to lose, you're going to want to be more uh, risk averse. You're going to want to be um, more safe with your money. You're not going to want to um, throw it all in the market and see what happens. Um, and the market, if you have, if you've been paying attention to the news lately, the market is going insane right now. Like it's been crashing. It's been since the beginning of the new year. The market's been down like I don't even know how many. Like I checked my portfolio, for example, and I'm just investing in a in a Vanguard 401k, and my portfolio is down seven percent um, for the year. Mm. And I could go in and start fiddly diddling with things and you know trying to pick different investments, but I'm investing for Ma- for Mandy Woodruff fifty years down the line and. I feel like I'm going to be fine. Um, but it tests your ability to handle these market swings, ups and downs. Um, and you want to pick an, uh, an investment strategy that matches your tolerance for risk. Like if for you sure. feel like you're going to go drive off a cliff every time the market goes down, yes. then maybe you don't need to be in the market at all. You know? <laughs> yes. Maybe you need to do something that's a little bit more, that's less volatile. You know, right. Like I feel like sometimes making money isn't worth the anxiety. Um, there's a reason why people who work in finance have heart attacks and like, you know, high blood pressure because it's stressful. And sometimes for regular everyday investors, it's not worth putting that stress on yourself. Yeah, I agree. But Miss Lune, um, congrats on even thinking about investing. Hopefully that was a little bit helpful for you. And if you guys have more specific money questions about investing, maybe we'll have Avni come back on and answer some questions herself since she is the true expert. Yes. Um, she can be – yeah, she doesn't know it yet, but we just made her our official brand ambition <laughs> investment the advisor. Expert. Maybe we we'll have, have Marielle on, Mar- uh, Maribel on. Oh, yeah. Sorry, no, Maybel. Yeah, she, she lives in the Bronx, so she's not too far. So, yeah, she's dope. Cool. That would be great. Just different voices. For sure. All right. And again, if you guys have questions, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. All we do is win, 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 no matter what. I don't know the rest of the words, so what? I just want to say, today is a win. Win, <laughs> win. Excellent. I was going to see where you went with that. Yeah, I was going to, I was wondering, I'm like, where's my Becca? I mean, <laughs> where's my, where's my Kelly to my Beyonce? I left you hanging. Yeah, she did. I was like, okay, I was like Michelle, Michelle that time she fell off the stage. <laughs> and you're out. <laughs> Okay, Farrah Franklin, we see you're angry. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so wins for the week. Yes. You want to go first or you want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, no, you go first. Um, my win for the week is I love reading about – so I love reading about women who are just like way more intelligent and, and successful than I'll ever be probably like in careers that I could never imagine having. 
So this story is about um, one of only 80 black female physicists in the U.S. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That's a job that I would never even – like I can't even imagine having. So I'm already interested. So one of the only 80 black female physicists in America just broke this major barrier for women in science. Um, Hadia Nicole Green, she's the 35, 35-year-old physicist mm. and professor from Tuskegee University. Um, she's the first woman to win a five-year grant award. And just wait till you hear what she's doing with it. She's taking this $1.1 million grant, and she's researching how lasers can kill cancer. Awesome. Like, just the same way we spend money on lasers for hair removal. Yeah, ladies, I know you do. Um, the lasers can, like, kill cancer cells, um, which I think is just extraordinary. So apparently she's the first black woman to win this grant, which is amazing. Go ahead, Hadia. And this technology can help, like, if you've ever seen anyone, like, had a loved one or yourself personally go through chemotherapy, where you're literally poisoning yourself, mm-hmm. it can have just horrible effects on you, makes you so sick. Um, it's really rough to watch people go through that. And the technology that Hadia is, um, is researching could replace chemotherapy, potentially. That would be amazing. Oh, see, Hadia, you just, I just love when brown girls rule the world. That's what black girl magic looks like. Not actual magic. Hadia is not doing incantations. Yeah. She's just, <laughs> that's from our last podcast. She's just doing dope stuff. <laughs> I love her personal story too. I was reading this. So the story is on takepart.com. I'll put a link on our on our Tumblr, brownambitionpodcast.com. So her personal story, she was raised by her aunt and uncle who both fought cancer. Um, her aunt refused chemotherapy for ovarian cancer and died when Hadia was only 22 and had just graduated college um, with a degree in physics. And then her uncle was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. So this, I can tell her research mm. has a real personal element. Um, I like that. She says, this is a quote from her. She says, I didn't hit a lottery. It's very structured funding for specific purposes. And yes, I applied multiple times until I got it. That perseverance and tenacity um, is critical for anyone, black, white, female, or male, who seeks to build a career in science. So I just love that she – I love that she points out too that she kept trying and trying and trying. Um, and to be one of 80 female physicists in the United States. That's dope. Talk about looking around and not seeing yourself in your career. I know. Can you imagine? Well, that's it for the show. No, you forgot my win. Oh, shoot. Sorry. He's a hater. Ooh, <laughs> that took so much out of Sorry, I just switched from so Michelle anyway, to Beyonce. And you'll see why I say Mandy's a hater. So she's not a hater for real. We're just teasing. But – I wanted to share when something that I was really proud of. Uh, so um, just this week, this past like few days ago, a couple days ago, I did a segment for Good Morning America, which, you know, I don't really watch much them. TV. I mean, I knew Good Morning America, obviously, is like big, but I didn't realize how big until my my uh Friend and publicist, Drina Whitfield of WhitPR, plug, plug. She was like, uh, it's the number one watched morning, um, you know, news show or just morning show, period, nationwide. It's Good Morning America, then the Today Show, then CBS Morning. And I was like, it is? But then I just thought, oh, they're going to have me come on and do my normal budget needs to stick. Like, this is how you budget. This is how you save. And no, it turned into like an intimate portrayal of just me and my life and how I kind of came from struggling financially um, and how I dug my way out of that struggle and how I went on to then start my business and this movement, the Live Richer Challenge. And so it was just so crazy because I'm just not used to people asking me questions about me personally. And it just, 
I don't know. It's kind of surreal. When they were taping, I'm like, wait, you want to know what about me personally? You want pictures of me when I was 20? You want... So I just can't wait. I mean, by the time this airs, it'll probably have been out because it's going to air on Monday. But I'll be sure to get like a clip and share. But yeah, so that's like a huge win for me because not too long ago, nobody cared. <laughs> I <know>? cared. <laughs> no, oh yeah, Mandy. Don't forget who was one of the first to write yeah, a story she, about you. A sidebar, Mandy. So we're having a party. I don't know if you're free on Thursday. We're going to be partying it up again. Oh, and, oh the uh, literature challenge party? Yes, the graduation oh. party. So we're going to get down. It's going to be right next door to the old place. But I'm going to post stuff on Facebook about the party. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely Mandy cared. And she she actually fought for me to be featured on Yahoo Finance, which was like so amazing. Because that was huge. I mean, it's still huge. Um, and, you know, but and that's why it's so important to have people, you know, at different levels, brown folks at different levels, because if Mandy had not been there to fight for me, Yahoo would not have done that story. No shade to Yahoo, but they would not have done that story about me. It was Mandy that made that happen and like forced it through. And so, you know, and, and like really paved the way for this to happen now. So many times, you know, especially like me being brown, people don't really take like brown people in finance very seriously. Mm-hmm, and don't. so. They don't, unfortunately. And so slowly but surely, people are starting to. And that's really what I hope that happens with this whole uh, Good Morning America interview, that, you know, maybe this starts to open up the door to mainstream America and media that, like, brown people care about money and we want you to talk to us and we want help and we want resources um, as well. And so, yeah, it's just I don't even think I, my uh, my publicist, Drina, was like, I don't think you realize, Tiffany, how this is going to change. You know, this is going to this is a a shift in like, you know, what you've been growing as a budget nista. And I don't think I realize, but I'm definitely open to that shift because it means I can help more people. And ultimately, my ultimate goal has always been to be of service and whatever that looks like, whether I was a preschool teacher, whether I'm giving advice online or whether I'm sharing my story. So it's just another... What'd you say? I hope you're the first because like I can't think of any other personal finance gurus who are of color who have broken through to that, like Jane Chadsky, Dave Ramsey yeah, level. That- and we need someone like that so desperately. I don't know what it is, but like, there's been this like invisible ceiling. Like why, yeah. isn't, why isn't Lynette Calfani Cox at that level yet? You know, yeah. Um, you know, Patrice is coming up, Patrice yep. Washington. And I feel like this could be it. Like you paved the way and you'll make it so much easier for everyone else to sort of, um, to be accepted by the mainstream America and, I mean, it's all it's all down to your work, though, your vision, your work. The budget Nista was your business, you know, and I knew there was something special. When I, I mean, I wrote that story about you when I was a business insider. Yeah, because you were so unique and, and um, your voice was so needed and so different. And um, I'm just as surpri- I'm just surprised it took GMA this long, honestly, but oh, I'm thanks, so happy Mandy. for you. You know, <clears throat> Mandy's like one of my biggest cheerleaders. So, you know, don't <laughs> try. <laughs> she's an undercover hater but you know when I'm singing stuff you see how she do me I haven't even done hey 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 in so long ooh look okay I'm gonna be back with that next week people love it <laughs> but yeah I just want to say like you know I'm just really grateful and so yes that is my win and that was an awesome show I hope you guys enjoyed you can hit us where Mandy well I'll do the ones that I know Facebook we'd love to hear some of your opinions on like the stuff that we post well the stuff that Mandy posts um, <laughs> we're Brown Ambition on Facebook the BA podcast on Twitter and Brown Ambition Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Our website also is brownambitionpodcast.com. Um, if you want to go there and, and check things out, we have some interesting links to all the stuff we talk about. And definitely we'll be embedding the video from Tiffany's GMA debut. <gasps> Bye, y'all. 
I know. With that, we sign off and we bid you adieu. (laughs) Happy snow shoveling, East Coast. (laughs) Not me, though. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. <laughs>